Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Good morning, everybody. My name is Melissa and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I'm, um, I feel a little bit nervous to share today because I didn't know I was going to be the speaker till about five minutes ago, <laughs> but I'm really happy to be of service and to just be in community with all of you. Um, there is not a specific topic on the fourth Saturday of the month, so I thought I would talk a little bit about what has changed over my years in program and what has not changed. And um, I'll start by just giving the brief outline of my story. In a way, um, I started out a normal weight child, but I lived in a family where there was where there was a lot of yelling, and I got a lot of. Melissa suddenly got muted. Yep, okay. I got muted. I'm unmuted now. No problem. Anyway, so I grew up in this family, normal weight kid. Never thought about food, but there was a lot of um, arguing between my parents and a lot of spanking of me, and a lot of yelling at me. And so very early on, I became sort of the perfect child so that hopefully my brother would get more of the spankings. That helped a little bit, um, but it never uh, totally uh, solved the problem. And so then I began to try to beat myself up mentally in advance in order to prevent my you know, dad from verbally or physically beating me up. And, um, um, and then when I hit puberty, family members started saying I was gaining weight. I can see from photos that I was gaining the normal weight, any girl gains in puberty. But, um, at that point, my self-hatred turned on my body and I began hating my body. And in early high school, I went on one diet, uh, with my mom and I lost a little bit of weight and, um, Immediately after that, I went into the cycle that I never broke out of until I came to OA, which was all day long at school. I would try to eat as little as possible all day, eat as little, uh, I'd snack a lot between school and when my parents came home, eat as little as possible at dinner. And then around 10 PM, when everybody went to bed, I would eat and eat and eat and eat for hours into the night. And it was, um, was painful. It was awful. It was demoralizing. It was humiliating. Um, and the, I mean, I just can't express how awful that period of my life was. Um, and then, um, I, uh, my parents sent me to a therapist after I told them that, look, I'm, I'm suicidal. And, um, the therapist was awful also, but she suggested that I go to Overeaters Anonymous. So I went starting the you know first week after I graduated high school, I got in my car and drove myself to a meeting. And I knew from my first meeting um, that I was at home. And um, I will say, so one of the things that made me know I was at home in OA was the fact that this little meeting of like, I think it was like three other people besides me in the basement of a library in Austin, Texas, um, they were reading step 11 out of the AA 12 and 12, because at that point there was no OA literature. 
And step 11 was all about God. And I had grown up in a um, fundamentalist religion. And um, I had already been seeking God as a way of solving my problem. Um, and, And it hadn't really helped me yet. But when I came into that OA meeting and they were reading step 11, I just knew that God had brought me to OA. And um, the program, you know, I really grabbed onto it the way a drowning man sees as a life preserver, as our literature mentions. I got a sponsor. I went to lots of meetings. It was easy to go to lots of meetings because at that time I wasn't married, didn't have kids. And um, I just worked the program like crazy. And one of the first things, and so one of the first things that changed was that the binging stopped. And it didn't stop permanently right away. I, um, when I went to college a few months later, I, event, I in college went into a dramatic relapse and that's when I gained the most weight I ever gained in program. But um, I just kept going to meetings through all of that and uh, kept working program as, as best as I knew how, and as I was, you know, it was still actually relatively new in that program and program when that first big relapse happened. And eventually, gradually, slowly, the begin, the binges went, became farther apart. The begin, binges became a little smaller. And eventually I was walking on dry land again and, and I was no longer binging. Um, <clears throat> And then the big arc of my story is after about 10 years in program, I left program for a while for about 10 years. And then about my son's 13. So about 12 years ago, I came back and I hope I never go away again. So, so now, now I want to get back to, you know, what has changed in program and what has not changed. So obviously one really big thing that's changed. And and this is the miracle that I always want to remind myself all the time (laughs) is that I no longer starve all day. And then at 10 PM start eating into the wee hours of the night. That is the most fundamental change. You know, even if I, you know, think I overate at dinner, maybe I really did overeat at dinner. I get up in the morning and I eat breakfast, no matter what, without fail, no matter what I ate the day before I eat all my meals the next day. And by and large, I don't change the quantities, you know, it's just like, well, I overate yesterday. I'm going to eat normal food today. And and that's just a, a foundation of my abstinence that I don't try to make up for any overeating that I might do. And let's also get real. The overeating that I might do now is so small compared to those, you know, multi-hour middle of the night binges that um, it just has to be okay. Another thing that has changed is my concept of a higher power. So as I said, I was raised in a fundamentalist religion. I was saved. (laughs) I very much believed in heaven and hell and, um, early in program, when I came to step two, my, gosh, I'm so nervous, I'm shaking. (laughs) I think this means a lot to me. Um, When I came to program, my very first sponsor, when I hit step two, gave me a number of suggestions such as um, fire your old higher power and write a want ad for a new higher power. Um, uh, And then I know in our 
new 12 and 12, it, it gives the suggestion to write about what, what would your ideal higher power be and do for you. And I did those assignments. And ultimately what I had to do is let go of the God that I believed in the God that I believe brought me to OA. I had to let go of that concept of God. And it really felt like I was deprogram deprogramming myself from having been in a cult, you know, because I really felt that if I let go of that understanding of God, I was going to hell, you know, that's what I believed. And, um, But, and, and now it's been so long ago, I can't exactly remember how, how the deprogramming went, but um, I just kept coming to meetings. I kept saying the third step prayer. I kept staying steps one, two, and three. I kept reading the big book where it says that, you know, what, what enabled Bill Wilson to have recovery was the, the concept that he could have whatever God made sense to him. And so I... I really, I went all the way and I rejected God entirely. And I informed my parents that I am now an atheist, <laughs> which I don't advise doing because then they believed I was going to hell. And so it caused all sorts of friction in between us. <laughs> but, um, and the thing is my concept of higher power has kept changing. So eventually I became a Buddhist and, and then more recently, I don't know what I am. Sometimes I call myself a higher power using agnostic because from day to day, my feeling of what higher power is shifts a little bit. I know it has, for me, a lot to do with nature. Um, certainly not a person in the sky who's going to send me somewhere when I die. But um, I, I practice prayer. I, I tend to write letters to my higher power. And um, I talk to it as if it were a person sometimes. And I just feel like, you know, human beings have been anthropomorphizing stuff since the dawn of time. So it's okay if I anthropomorphize this power, even if it really is something like electricity. Um, so concept of higher power has changed. Eating behavior has changed. You know, another thing that has changed is that in my time and program, I've moved maybe four times. So I moved from Texas where I started program to Mountain View. And, you know, it was interesting how the flavor of, um, and then we moved from Mountain View to San Francisco. And then there was a four month period when I moved to Oakland, which is when I met all of you. Um, and it's just really interesting to me about how the, fla the flavor of OA is different in all these different places. Like it really bothered me when I moved to Mountain View and people clapped after shares. That just felt awful to me because in, in Austin, we all said, thank you in unison, 30 people would say, thank you. And so to hear the clapping just felt so wrong, but I, you know, what has really served me is, is looking beyond the differences in the flavors of OA and really seeing how, how much love there is and how, you know, the steps are the same wherever I go. Um, um, and how strong OA is in all these different places I've been. Um, so I'm grateful for that. So the, another thing that has changed is how I'm able to work program has really changed. So when I first came to program, I was a, you know, I was between high school and college and then I was a college student. You know, at that time in my life with no, in, with the only encumberment being whatever part-time job I was working in my classes, 
I was able to go to meetings every single day. I was able to re- read the literature and write every day. I was able to be in inner group and you know, do tremendous amounts of service. It was possible for me at that time. And then there came, you know, then I had babies <laughs> and was working two jobs. And so when I returned to OA was when I had the two kids and was working two jobs. At that point, all I could do was one meeting a week. And I remember doing this. So what changed was my ability to kind of what, what degree to which I could use all the tools. So at that time, the OA workbook existed now. And so my new sponsor had me working the steps by answering the workbook questions. And I remember, I think it was step one or step two, writing about this and writing, you know, I, you know, how can this program work for me if I can't go to a meeting every single day and I can't read the literature and write every day and I can't do service the way, you know, how the, pro, how the program- You got muted again, Melissa. Say I muted again. I don't think so. If I'm muted, it's not on my end. We can hear can you. you. Hear me, Judy? Yeah, we can yeah. hear you. Yeah, okay. I can hear you too. Fine. Looks like so I was doing this step writing, and um, and I was writing about the fact that I cannot do program the way I used to. It's not possible for a mom of two kids working two jobs to go to an OA meeting every single day. At least it wasn't for me. And and how is it going to work? It's not going to work. And and I feel like this is a moment when I felt the I, my higher power spoke to me, whatever that power is, and. What came to me was the whole point, Melissa, is you're powerless over food. It's not you and all your program activities that's going to restore you to sanity. It's a higher power that's going to restore you to sanity. And at that point, I basically felt like I was going to fall out of my chair. (laughs) And so um, I was restored to sanity again after that return to OA. And and I was restored to sanity even though at that point, grabbing onto program like a drowning man seizes a life preserver meant one meeting a week and one call with a sponsor a week and answering one step question a week, you know? Um, so my point being, um, so much has changed between how I worked program then and how I work program now. And actually now, now is even very different from when I returned to program 12 years ago, because now in the pandemic, I am back to going to a meeting every single day. Um, I don't always fully participate in the meeting. Sometimes I'm on mute and I'm doing my physical therapy exercises while I listen. But um, uh, I think the point I want to make is, oh, and so then what has not changed? What has not changed is that, you know, across all these different places I've been, across these two ways of working program, the way where I did all program all the time, every single day versus the do what I can when I can. Um, In both versions, I feel like I've been restored to a life of sane and happy usefulness. Um, I mean, some days I'm unhappy and some days I'm crying and some days I'm stressed out and some days I'm really afraid. But there is a very, there's a profound level on which I am sane today in a way that I wasn't sane when my entire life revolved around, I have to be perfect. If I'm not valedictorian of my high school, I am worthless. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm either starving all day or binging all night. I, um, hate myself because of my body size, you know, wanting to cut body parts off. I mean, that, that, that's not sane, you know, it's, it's certainly not healthy, even if you don't want to call it insanity. It's, it's, it's really sad is what it is. Thank you so much. Um, So what has not changed is that this program has worked both ways of working. It has worked um, to bring me sanity. So, um, and the food, you know, I think I didn't even mention how much my food plan has changed. So, you know, I've, I've had food plans that ranged from when I first came to program, it was three meals a day. I've, I've had times when I tried to do food plans where there were certain foods I didn't eat. That one never has never worked for me because for me, if I think about any kind of food restriction about 30 minutes later, I'm going to start overeating. I just can't even imagine a food restriction without it triggering me into overeating. But then there've been many, many years when I followed a food plan from a nutritionist that said, you know, eat whatever you want, but here's the amounts you should be eating. And then there've also been times when I had no food plan whatsoever. And, and those are, have been scarier times, but you know, to some degree that's worked as well. Um, So all these things, food plan, higher power, geographic location have all changed and program work anyway. So that's like the foundational thing that has not changed. And I think think the other thing that I wanna say hasn't changed is just the, the love and acceptance that I feel in OA meetings and the fact that I feel like, you know, that I, that I'm at home here, you know, the fact that I'm at home um, and that I, I feel understood by the people in the meeting in a way that I feel that I just don't feel in so many other places in this world. And I, I treasure that. And so I do give service again today to the degree that I can, um, because it's so important to me that, that these meetings that I treasure are still here when I need them. And so that they are here for the next person who needs them. I just want to thank you all because when I first came to this meeting, you know, when I moved to Oakland last September and I was there for just four months and I just felt like you all really welcomed me. And um, it just means so much. It meant so much because during that four month period, this meeting was the only meeting I was able to get to. And um, I'm actually one, I'm generally not grateful at all for shelter in place or COVID or anything that's going on in our world right now, but truly a light of it. One little light of it for me is that I'm able to be with you guys and I couldn't have been now that I'm back in San Francisco. So thank you all. I think that's all I want to say.